Yes. Hello, friends. How are you? My name is John. I was trained as a pastor, and this is one of the ways I'm trying to do something good with it. Now, we are in the midst of a series called Roadmaps, and all I'm doing is trying to provide some frameworks or some roadmaps towards trying to understand how people change and grow, but specifically in relationship to, let's say, healthy spirituality, right? So obviously, I'm anchored in the Christian tradition. So that's the metaphors and the the language and all of that that I'm going to be drawing from. I make zero apology for that. I feel like right now in the world, there's too many people apologizing for being biblical. And I think that's when you apologize before you even say anything, it diminishes it, you know? So let's just own it. Just own it. Um, but I actually was looking forward to this one. I really was. And I think it's because this one has really helped me better understand things. Um, specifically in reference towards uh, my own expectations, the expectations of groups and the expectations of God. So that's what this one's called. My expectations, ours and God's. Now, I originally wanted to call this pre uh, backslash conventional backslash post. But I thought that was a little too cluttery you know, of a title, but my expectations, ours and God's, there's three movements to this one. But what I want to also do is pull into it church culture. I want to bring into it desegregation of the 1950s and 60s and 70s and how that all unfolded and man, what it means now. All right, so let's do this. Thank you for checking this out. Now, I made, um, there's a link that's going to be put in the show notes to this, and it's a simple one. You just click that and it'll take you to, well, at the very bottom, it'll have more links of things to go to, but it's a brief description about me. But most importantly, there's a little box that says, send me an email. And I actually do get emails from listeners and I do enjoy replying to them. So when you're done with this one, maybe send me an email. And uh, let's start a quick online dialogue because why not, right? This is how we connect. This is how we get to know people. This is also how we change and grow. You converse with people that know something that perhaps you don't or that I don't. And then we all build on our collective web of understanding of the world, right? So let's dive into this. This is my expectations ours and God's. Here we go. Those are three phases, I guess you could say. Three, I guess they're stages, they're roadmaps, sure. But I think that this really breaks down a lot of things and puts name to a lot of the struggles that perhaps you've been living or that you've been observing or perhaps that you even feel stuck and you don't know what comes next. Well, here we go. Now, I said that this was previously called pre-conventional and post. So I'm going to maybe drop that a few times. Okay. But let's, let's break it down. Okay. What is pre-conventional 
or what are my expectations? All right. Well, there's always a phase of life that all of us have to pass through. And some of us get stuck there. But it's a, it's a selfish stage, let, let's say. And it's all about what my expectations are for the world. And not that that's necessarily bad, because all of us have to learn how to be selfish in a positive way, where we, we look after ourselves and we pay attention to ourselves and we work towards what's best for us. And that's not necessarily entirely bad, but when that goes too far, it becomes evil, right? And then you trample over others. But when you have uh, a mindset that's geared towards this, you're probably going to have rather self-oriented ethics, right? Your wisdom, all of your values and your priorities are probably geared just towards you alone. And again, everyone does this. This is like one of the earliest stages of our lives. And that's not bad, but again, if we get stuck there, that that can become a problem. But then comes the next stage where we start not asking what are my expectations, but what are our expectations for the world, for the environment? What are our expectations about um, transportation and cars and gasoline and electricity and homelessness? What are our expectations? And so then this is the shift to the conventional. It's a little bit larger than the me-oriented world. It's about us. It's about community. And that's good. It's totally fine. Conventional is also just where Maybe the popular opinion about things exists. What's the popular opinion about Marvel movies? What's the popular opinion about Superman versus Batman? What's the popular opinion about um, Netflix? I don't know. The Good Place. That's the conventional level. It's about our expectations. It's about our ethics. It's about our collective wisdom. It's about our priorities as we try to be individuals living close to each other. Conventional, just like the pre-conventional, it's not bad, but when it becomes too rigid or too domineering, then it can become evil, right? Now, you could say that there's this invitation. As you read through the scriptures, there are instances or um, situations in which people are challenged to grow out of their own personal me-oriented expectations for their life and for the world and into a group's understanding. What about us? How do we do this life together? And you could say a lot of the New Testament is about that. Especially <laughs> the book of 1 Corinthians was actually a letter written by Paul to the city of Corinth, well, specifically a church community in Corinth. And they were such selfish, pre-conventional 
<laughs> me-oriented in their ethics, wisdom, and priorities. And so Paul has to write a letter that invites them up into the conventional or the the group-oriented ethics and wisdom and priorities about how do we do this life together? Come on, people. It's like, get your act together. Ah, see? That's interesting. But there's another stage after that. And it's when we hit the point of God's expectations for the world. And you might be able to say that this is the post-conventional. This is beyond just the normal conventional. This is beyond just what our group has for its opinions. More than just what our group says about how we will do life together in this zip code. It says we got to maybe think even larger than that. So I think God's expectations, it's not self-oriented about individual people, I guess, in an unhealthy way. It's larger than just group-oriented ethics or wisdom or priorities. Now we're talking about divine mystery within and above and sustaining and withholding not withholding, holding all things. It's a, it's a divine-oriented ethics, a divine-oriented wisdom and priorities. Now, okay, we just did my expectations, our expectations, God's expectations. Three stages, one, two, three, and they rise up towards each other or into each other or... Yeah, let's say into each other. Our ethics and our wisdom and our priorities get this can only be critiqued by a higher stage or perspective. So your own personal expectations against one other individuals' expectations, they're going to clash because it's one person against one person. So who wins? Well, probably whoever dominates or argues better or punches the other one out. But actually, my expectations can really be best critiqued and invited to grow by a larger group, by our expectations about so then I've got to stop and say, okay, do I want to be selfish and me-oriented in my ethics and wisdom and priorities, or do I want to be a part of a church in Corinth? Now, it's good to belong, and it's good to be a part of a group and have conventional wisdom, but even that has its limits. Because then what do you do when you have two communities have different expectations about the world, then the, the fight could escalate. And then those two groups then fight. Well, it's about my, our group's expectations of the world. And then somebody else says, well, no, it's our group's expectations. We should be living by our wisdom or our priorities or our ethics. And my ethics are different than your group's ethics. And blah, 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 blah. Well, fortunately, even our group expectations and conventions can be critiqued by something even higher 
which would be God's expectations for the two groups. God's expectations. This is the post-conventional. This is, this is the wisdom after the group wisdom. So there's the selfish wisdom, and then there's wisdom after that wisdom, which is the group wisdom, and the wisdom after that wisdom, which is after that wisdom, which is God's wisdom. And God's wisdom always makes our wisdom seem as though it's complete and utter foolishness. But our ethics, our wisdom, our priorities can only be critiqued by a higher stage. Isn't that fascinating? That's like such an obvious statement, but it's so helpful to say it. Now, let's talk about teenagers, okay? <laughs> all right, teenagers. Let's imagine a skater kid that just listened to punk rock music at all times, right? And these are mohawks and they're they're thinking about getting tattoos as soon as they can whatever sometimes teenagers and i guess even adults of course can be rebellious for selfish reasons they might fight against the conventional be like i'm not going to do what the whole group says i'm going to do my own thing and that can be a problem because sometimes when we are immature, we think we're critiquing the convention or the conventional from a higher stage when actually we are rebelling against it from a lower stage. So just because you're critiquing the conventional does not ipso facto mean that you're speaking from God's ethics or God's wisdom or God's priorities. You always got to check yourself and make sure you're not just being a moody teenager that's actually critiquing the conventional group expectations from below. Right? That's amazing. I love that thought. Now, Adults, and yeah, you could say teenagers too, but often adults, we can be conformed to the conventional too much. And then we lose some of our identity. We lose some of our uniqueness because we just want to do whatever helps us get along with the group. Or you might do the exact opposite and be completely nonconformist to the conventional and then you just become somebody that lives on the fringes of society, maybe society doesn't think that you have anything to offer, and so then you're just out there in no man's land, who, not necessarily for selfish reasons, but maybe you just don't get along. Maybe because you see the cracks in the conventional wisdom. Hmm? Okay. I wrote down something here. I'm going to read it. All right. It goes like this. The real movers and shakers, though, of the world are those people that are punk rock and rebellious and critique the conventional, but they don't do it as though they're teenagers. They're not critiquing it from below. They do it from a more mature inner posture of love and hopeful critique and perhaps maybe even divine calling to challenge the conventional. 
in the Hebrew scriptures, we've talked about the prophets. My understanding is that the prophets critiqued the conventional group expectations from above. They were speaking from God's ethics and wisdom and priorities. So a lot of the prophets were post-conventional and they were completely misunderstood by the group conventional thought or frame of mind. And so they were kicked out. They were even called the crazy ones, the Nevi'im, the ones that are outside of their own mind. And some people thought that the prophets were people that were critiquing culture or convention from below, or maybe they were just critiquing the convention from the side because they didn't fit in with it. Well, I'm of the mind that we call the writings of the prophets scripture because they were invited by the spirit that animates and sustains and invites all things into greater health and holiness. Um, they were listening to that post-conventional spirit. They were listening to God's expectations that really only God is capable of critiquing the conventional, popular group wisdom, ethics, and priorities. So then the question we always have to ask is, am I speaking prophetically with love and hopeful critique? Or am I speaking from an inner posture of just selfish rebelliousness in a pre-conventional, my expectations of what the world around me should do? You see what I mean? I feel as though these three stages are so incredibly helpful and they definitely help me to understand what is what is my goal in life? What am I trying to do? What am I invited to do? How are we each supposed to invite one another into greater and greater understanding and living out of God's expectations for us and for our group and for the world? Okay. So let's give this uh, a practical understanding, okay? Let's do it this way. Well, in the 50s, 60s, and 70s were incredibly tumultuous because America was finally coming to grips with the laws and the segregation that were happening, that was happening between the blacks and the whites. It was horrible. And it was dehumanizing and it was a strong echo of the slavery that existed just a few generations ahead of that. I recognize that we're still dealing with a lot of racism today. So let's, let's think about this in terms of pre-conventional and post, Okay. So in the 50s and 60s, it was very conventional. It was, a, it was the group ethic and it was the group expectations, priorities. It was conventional understanding 
to have segregation. And so for that reason, the societal norms were more important than the individual people. And so the group expectations, our expectations, were the most important thing, and it didn't matter if it trampled over other people because the individual was less important than the group narrative. And at that point in American history, the group narrative was shifting away from saying we need segregation and more and more towards ah desegregation. So Martin Luther King Jr., okay, let's think about this. MLK, he challenged the conventional wisdom from a deep Christian spirituality that helped him to speak in a post-conventional, God-oriented wisdom. Not only that, but remember that paragraph I said earlier, the real movers and shakers? They critique the conventional from an inner posture of love and hopeful critique and perhaps divine calling to challenge the conventional. Because each stage can only be challenged by the higher stage. And that's why MLK is so profound because a lot of people think he was actually preaching quote-unquote, the word of God and speaking hopeful, loving critique into the conventional wisdom that was dehumanizing. He wasn't speaking against it from a lower stage. He was actually speaking against it from a higher stage. <sighs> Mind blown, right? And so there's, the, there's all these quotes like MLK saying, Hate is too great to bear. I've chosen love instead. So he's speaking from, as best as he's able, from a posture of love. Mm. Not only that, but I, the, I think the quote has something like, if American culture is sick, then may I be maladapted to it. I don't want to be adapted to a sick culture. May I always be, in our lingo that we might use here, may I always be post-conventional. May I always speak from God's level of understanding for ethics and wisdom and priorities. MLK was a mover and shaker because he was speaking from post-conventional, prophetic, and hopeful critique, imagining what kind of world could happen if we actually shifted from my expectations or the popular expectations and into what are God's expectations. Boom. But then he was assassinated for it because the conventional hates to be critiqued because the conventional always wants to maintain its understanding of stability, which for good or bad, could also leave room for tyrannical oppression. 
Okay, so let's go Hebrew scriptures then too, all right? So the Israelites were slaves in Egypt under the reign of Pharaoh. They had been there for 400 years as slaves, dehumanized. The conventional wisdom said, you are our, excuse me, slaves, and you here, you are here to benefit our culture. And then God speaks to Moses and says, I am deeply grieved that my people are enslaved and are being dehumanized. And so he sends Moses. And Moses goes and tells the figure point of conventional, popular structure and says, let my people go. This is not God's plan. Now, this is very important because Pharaoh was understood as being a god. And so here's Moses saying another god, the true god, says slavery is a horrific evil and I will not stand for it. And so there's a power struggle between this human, Pharaoh, that according to conventional wisdom was called God, and then against Yahweh, who is actually the divine mystery, the power behind and sustaining all things, inviting all things into greater love and awareness and justice. Well, Moses at that point was speaking the post-conventional critique of the conventional. And the conventional always fights because... Maybe perhaps just like how you or I, with our own selfish expectations, might fight going into the group mindset. The group mindset also fights against going into God's. So Moses was also a post-conventional, and the scriptures do call him a great prophet as well. That's in Deuteronomy. Now, let's do one more shift. Okay. (laughs) You might have a a particular understanding of Christian spirituality that is rather me focused. That's not necessarily bad, but it's not helpful if you stay there for too long. If you don't ever grow and develop into having not a a selfish Christianity is just about you, but then can shift into a group Christianity about us. But even that can be a problem if you don't shift into a a Christianity that's even larger than your group. And so we can even have my Christianity, our Christianity, and God's Christianity. Oh, isn't that wild? So it goes like this. We have pre-conventional Christianity, That's all in service to me. Then we can potentially sometimes fall into having conventional Christianity. That's all about us and maintaining our structures. Don't shake the boat too much. We like this structure. We like how it is. Even if it maybe leaves a few people out, we like it this way. But what does it look like to have a post-conventional, prophetic, and hopeful Christianity, because I think that's actually the telos, 
telos is the word for goal in Greek. What is the goal for Christianity? Is it a me-oriented spirituality? Is it a us-oriented? Or is it a post-conventional everyone and everything Christianity? See? Now, conventional Christianity is good because it critiques and raises people up out of their own selfish stuckness. That's good. That's fine. That's all great. (laughs) However, conventional Christianity itself is uncomfortable with post-conventional Christianity because post-conventional Christianity invites the conventional structures up out of its own selfish stuckness. You see what I mean? So maybe let's use a different language. Um, yeah, let's let's say denominational. Denominational Christianity is good because it critiques and it raises people up out of their own personal selfish Christianity. Let's say it that way. However, denominational Christianity is really uncomfortable with prophetic Christianity because prophetic Christianity invites denominational structures and conventional wisdom up out of its own selfish structures. So what we're doing here is uh, I was really excited about this um, this episode because this has helped me to understand my own growth in just a simple three steps. There's days when I have to stop and realize, wow, I'm being really selfish. I, I'm kind of stuck in my ownness. I have my ethics today and my priorities have maybe been too much about me sometimes to the exclusion of other people and i need to do what orthodox christianity says and and repent and try to realign myself with something greater and then there are days when i feel like yeah i i see myself being very conventional middle of the road I feel like I'm not necessarily rocking the boat, but I'm just being a part of everything. And that's fine because we can't have constant upheaval at all moments. We have to have some um, resiliency, I guess you could say. But the real sweet spot is when we can shift into God's expectations for us, God's expectations for me, God's expectations for everything. And start to live from God's wisdom, God's priorities, God's ethics, which are always going to be man, critiquing the pre-conventional and the conventional. God's wisdom is always going to be coming from an inner posture of love 
always come from a desire to give hopeful critique in order to provide some imagination about what kind of world is possible if we're willing to give up my own personal expectations, our group's expectations. What happens when we give up our pre-conventional or conventional wisdom and shift, do the holy shift into having God's post-conventional priorities, ethics, and wisdom. So hopefully this has given you like a structure or a, a way of interpreting the things that you're a part of. Hopefully this has helped you to come to better understand that actually prophetic real Christianity still has things to say today that invite all of us into the future and into greater growth and health and holiness. It's all good. But the trick, maybe, is having the courage to speak against the pre-conventional and even the conventional, even if people have made idols of it. Because, man, let's be honest, we all cling to our idols very tightly. So let's wrap this up, shall we? I've been saying this one benediction. I really enjoy it. Just stretching a little. Here we go. So let's finish with that. But also feel free to look at the notes to this episode. Click on that link and then send me an email about something that stood out to you from this episode. And then I'll, I'm usually pretty good at replying to most emails pretty quickly. So I invite you to do that. Go for it. But may you be light and life and love to the people around you. May you decrease the suffering in the world and may grace and peace be with you every step of the way.